Are you ready for the word this evening? Do you have your Bibles out? Do you have your notepads? Do you have your phones? Or whatever it is you are using to capture God's thoughts this evening? Are you sure you're ready? Glory to God. So last week we started a conversation about prayer. And we call this the air I breathe. The real conversation there is, is something as critical to the existence of the human spirit. Just the way oxygen is critical to your and my existence as humans in the physical. Alright, we, we, we built some foundational bricks as to what prayer is not. And then we started talking about what prayer is. I believe last week we were able to settle that prayer is... Yeah, so this is a time to recap for those who were here. You can bring out your notes, it's fine. I have my notes in front of me. All right, so let's do this together. Number one, we said prayer is what? Effective priesthood. That was the first thing we said, and we saw Revelations 1, 6. The next thing we said is prayer is intimacy with the Father. All right, we said all that. We looked at Luke chapter 6, verse 12, and Luke 11, 1 and 2. We said that prayer is a necessity for every believer. It's critical. It's not a nice to have. Prayer is a necessity for every believer. We said also that prayer is a potent weapon for the believer. We looked at the old armor there and we looked at Ephesians 6, 18. Praying always, praying always with all manners of prayers in the spirit. And we looked at the next one, that prayer is the highest proof of dependence. It takes humility to pray. It takes pride to not pray. So if you find someone who is not prioritizing prayer, what they are saying, not necessarily with their lips, but with their lack of prioritization of prayer, is that I am proud and maybe I don't need God. God is fine without me. I am fine without him. Or he's just doing what he's doing. I'm doing what I'm doing. All right, prayer there is proof of humility that I am nothing enough to need you. All right, and prayer there is proof We've said from 2 Chronicles 7, 14 there, if my people which are called by my name will humble themselves, kneel down and pray, seek my face. Humble themselves. Humility is required for a lifestyle of prayer. A lifestyle of prayer. You know, there are many, many fads that have come into the church just to encourage us to pray. A lot of fads growing up, I heard things like, pray so that you will not pray. What that means is pray now so that you don't have to pray tomorrow. As nice as that is and as encouraging as it is to suggest an urgency to, to settling prayer as a culture is that nobody gets to the point where they graduate from a need to pray. We never get to that point. If indeed it is intimacy, we, we get to a point where we pray now and we don't pray. If all prayer is about is our needs and supplications and requests. So I need a job now. I've prayed the job has come. Or I need a wife. Now the wife has come. I need a husband. Or I need a child. I'm trusting God for this healing or for that breakthrough. At that point, if we reduce prayer to things, then yes, there can be a point where you don't need to pray anymore. But if prayer indeed is going to be a lifestyle of intimacy, all right, it is there that you don't pray so that you don't pray again. We pray now so that you can keep praying then. The other popular fad in Christendom is you pray until something happens, all right? And the key word there is until. We are not praying until. Our prayer is a lifestyle. It is oxygen. It is our being. We will continue to pray. We will pray. We will pray. Jesus prayed through the night. He continued to pray. He ascended as he resurrected Christ, the glorified one. He seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess what he's still doing? Still making intercessions. So you can see this is really oxygen. It's extremely critical for you and myself to 
understand the ministry of prayer and to appreciate it not as a burden, not as a chore, but as the love language of the Father, intimacy. Somebody say glory to God. Last week, Wednesday, we stopped on number six, which is, we said, prayer is the greatest agency for change for the believer. In the world, we have avenues for change. You can trend hashtags. You can start advocacy groups. You can be involved with organizations that do lobbying and all of those things that exist in the world, which as Christians, we should be. And I need to say this clearly. I am not saying that we don't participate in causes that we believe in or support movements that we want to lend a voice to. I am saying that that is not the core of your strength. Even if you're an influencer, if your retweet causes a message to be on number one trending list, that is influence and we recognize that. However, the power the believer has on their knees, all right, trumps any day, any day, any day, all right, whatever influence any human can have on the trend list. So yeah, we can train, we can agend those agendas, glory to God. But more importantly is that we, if you truly care about a matter, you will pray. If you truly, if you truly care. And let me just chip this in here before we continue. If there is an issue or a matter that you want to pray about, and someone says, oh, please pray for us, this, this, this. Ah, okay, we are praying, we will pray. No, those are not, many times those things are said religiously and nothing happens afterwards oh this person is this kind of retweet say a word of prayer for this person many people just retweet and it's gone it's literally gone and it's good discipline when someone says this is what i'm going through please i want you to pray for me two things you can do you make a note a note all right and immediately in that moment say do you have a second can we just pray now can we pray now you certainly there first quickly quickly if the 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 atmosphere is not right all right you can transfer that moment instead of agreeing with the person by yourself you pray i've learned to do this especially when you are in a position where requests and desires and prayer points are coming left right and say if you don't want to be irresponsible because for some of these people you will give account before god you in that office of priesthood what did you do when this request came i said i will pray so did you pray so that we do not wear many bloods on your neck you have to learn to do it on the move. Priesthood, as this one comes, even before the requests come, you carry people there. And we'll get to that in the course of this series. Glory to God. Glory to God. So, number seven, we'll tie up that conversation and then we'll go into what we really have for this evening. Please, don't, don't, be, don't be worried on my behalf. I think I've, I'm maturing now. Wherever we get to, if we need to stop, I now know we can stop. All right, before I didn't know, I'll just... Keep you guys and people. All right, so I know you're not fasting. I know you've probably had breakfast, lunch, dinner. All right, so I, I know you're you completely attentive. All right, notwithstanding, we will not attempt to stretch uh, beyond necessary. Glory to God. All right, so number seven points, and then we'll, number seven links us directly into the first kind of prayer we want to talk about. And I want you to please listen attentively. These are very simple foundational thoughts, but God is shining light on it that we are seeing newness. We are seeing this. It's not new stuff, all right, but we are seeing it from a new perspective in a way that the energy required to engage the newness is released. It's one thing to know a thing. It's another thing to be armed with the requisites, you know, armed with the, with the, with the requisites implication of that information so that you can do something with it not that you just know 
that you just know. The sons of the prophets, the ones who were, who were watching the ministry of Elijah from a distance, the ones who were being trained to receive the baton, they knew that Elijah was living. They had the information. And they kept teasing Elijah. And they said, do you know that your master will be taken away from you? Now, it was common knowledge, but they didn't know what to do with that information. There was another man who also knew, but beyond knowing, he was able to pursue. And I pray for you this evening, for everyone under the sound of my voice, that not only will the knowledge of these truths come to you, but the victory that acting on it presents, that your life will be proof of such victories. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, I need a believing amen. I said your life will be proof of the victory that these truths bring. In the name of Jesus. All right. So number seven thing that prayer is, very quickly, and then we'll run into what we have for this evening. Number seven, prayer is the believer's legitimate access into the supernatural. Prayer is the believer's legitimate access into the supernatural. Prayer is the believer's legitimate access into the supernatural. Now, that statement alone needs a lot of deconstructing. I do not believe that it is within the scope of our syllabus this evening to deconstruct that statement. I want you to write it down. I know you've been writing down. You've written down one to six. I want you to write down number seven. Number seven, the Spirit of God will need to teach you what that statement means. I am commending you. <laughs> I am commending you to the word of his grace, all right? He's, I'm commending you literally, transferring you to the hand of the Holy Spirit. He's going to have to teach us what that statement means. So we're going to scratch the surface of it we are not going to attempt to break that statement down. Our focus this evening is understanding the prayer of thanksgiving. Understanding the prayer of thanksgiving. Understanding the prayer of thanksgiving. All right? But let's, let's look at this statement. Prayer is the believer's legitimate access to the supernatural. That statement is pregnant with meaning. Number one, it means that there are going to be illegitimate ways to access the supernatural. And we find that in scripture. Saul had a relationship with the prophet Samuel. As far as reaching and navigating the supernatural was concerned, Samuel, the prophet of God, was Saul's plug. And if there's anything I want you to hear, child of God, is that thing by the, by the blood of Jesus that gives us access, you don't need any plug again into the supernatural. I need somebody to hear that and to settle that. You don't need a plug. Because one day, and people are saying, what do you mean by plug? PD, plug is your, your go-to person. Your sure go, not fake go-to. Your sure go-to person. So Saul was so sure. If I needed anything, I don't need to have a relationship. I don't need to anything about, know anything about this God. Of, after all, I was just looking for donkeys about, and he called me to come and be king. All right, Saul, there are that, that relationship, that dependence on the ministry of Samuel that if I ever need to hear God, if I never need direction for my life, if I never needed healing, if I never ever needed what to do, where to go, what battles to fight, who to engage, if ever I had such a need in my life, I don't need to worry about the God of Israel. All I need is the prophet Samuel because once I get to the prophet Samuel, then I'm able to access the supernatural only that the prophet Samuel does not live forever. And there will come a day where Samuel will be gone and then the pressures will be so much that there will be a need to gain access. This time, not legitimate access. 
And then you find the king asking, saying that, uh, I know we banished these guys some times ago, but anyways, they have access. And now we need access. So go fetch me a lady. And they said, oh, we know someone. We know someone. We know someone. So when they were in a hoodie, hoodie, hoodie with sunglasses at night, it's going, was trying to fake his accent. And they, of course, you are coming to access. Access knows where you are coming from. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Help me just tap your neighbor and say, you don't need no plug. Jesus. <laughs> I want to say Jesus is our plug, but I don't just want this Holy Spirit to just adjust me on this altar. <laughs> Glory to God. But indeed, that's what Jesus did. His blood has secured access for us. He ripped, he ripped, he ripped the curtains so that you and I can come confidently to the very place of his presence. So there is illegitimate access. We are just trying to, to look at this statement a bit. Number two is that there is a realm called the supernatural. Meaning that life does not end with what our senses can interact with. Many people, and I, I, I said this not trying to dwell on this point, but many people think that the supernatural means the invisible. No. The supernatural realm is a real realm, and the physical realm is a, is a, is a real realm that we can feel. All right. All right. Somebody needs to adjust and settle down. We'll give you... 10 seconds, 10 seconds, just to settle down. 10 seconds. Oh, wait, no, yeah, that's special, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's special. Wait. Okay, now that I settled down, let's say that again. Let's say that again. The supernatural realm is a very real realm. As far as we are concerned, we think the physical realm is what is real only. And even in the physical realm, we know that there are ongoing entities, activities, parameters, events that we are not optimized to participate in, even in the physical. Those things are not spiritual. They are very physical, just that you can't see them. There are waves, communications, phone calls, text messages, movies, beams, pictures, in this very radiation in this room. But I am not an antenna optimized to decode all of these things. Now, it's invisible, but it doesn't make it spiritual. I'm not talking of invisible. I'm telling you there's the reality of a spiritual realm where things are sorted and settled before they manifest in the physical. And child of God, God has created an entry point for you and I, not through a middleman, not through a prophet Samuel, not through a prophet Isaiah, not through a prophet PD, but the blood of Jesus has made... You saw how I snuck myself. You saw it. Glory to God. All right. God has made an avenue for you and I to come in. And not just to come in wondering what am I doing? Am I meant to be here? But to come in boldly to have legitimate access to that supernatural realm. Now, when we come into that realm, as it regards prayer from scripture, which is why I said it leads us into the business of the evening, is that when you come into that realm, you show up into three likely places. Please follow me. It's getting deeper now. You show up into three likely places. For instance, if you, for instance, I took my, my daughters to the Nigerian embassy in Ottawa. Um, many people know that. It's interesting now. Our home country, our former country, amen, requires us, people are like, hey, this guy. Requires us to travel down, irrespective of where you are, to travel down to obtain and renew your passports. Now, just before we left that building, I just told them, just jokingly, I said, now, you guys have been to your own, 
to your parents' country of birth. Now you've been to Nigeria. And the people around looked, like, what's he saying? There was an official of the, of the embassy who was passing by. She heard me, and she said, yes, that's true. The woman understood that she, she's in Ottawa, but essentially she's working for the Nigerian government in Nigeria, even though physically located there. Why am I saying that? When you step into that realm, even though we were citizens, there were things we were expected to do. All right, we were, we were treated as clients. All right, there are going to be others who, who come into that same place. They are treated as diplomatic partners. They are not necessarily citizens. They are going to be men and women of the press who are treated in a different way. The point I'm trying to make to you is that once you begin to navigate in this realm, it is not just an invisible realm. I'm not using invisible deliberately because there are realms in the physical that are not visible, all right, but they are not necessarily supernatural. I'm talking about something real here, something very true, something very tangible, a realm that you and I can navigate from. In a realm that before the day breaks, we can have intimacy with God, we can navigate events, we can organize our agencies for change there, we can build on intimacy there, we can, we can work on priesthood there, and then we now come into this physical realm, and everybody's now for me nice. Oh, hi, good morning. As if we've not settled things before coming. And let me tell you, if you choose to be naive, you'll be shocked. People believe that the supernatural is real to some people in some part of the world and those here do not understand. You are kidding. They understand priesthood very well. Priesthood is a global phenomenon. Men and women for ages and centuries have sought means to access a supernatural realm and they found many means, many legitimate. So we kid ourselves to think that that 9 a.m. meeting begins at 9 a.m. You are kidding. You kid yourself to think that interview begins at 10 a.m. at 10 a.m. No. There are powers that have been, that have made pronouncements, that have gone. That deal that has been released and, 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 and signed off from heaven into your hands, there is a need to take delivery of it, but you kids to think it's just like that. There are deliberations, meetings, conversations. So when we step into the supernatural realm, we step into three potential realms. Please follow me, and I'm going to show you what these realms are from Scripture. This is our duty in the place of prayer, to find out where we've come into and to understand what our duties are. And I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will give us instruction. In the mighty name of Jesus, Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to verse 8. Luke chapter 11, from verse 5 to verse 8. Maybe we should start with our anchor scripture first, Luke, 11, Luke 18, verse 1. For as many who are just joining us, Luke 18, verse 1, please write it down. This is the scripture we are standing on for this series. It says, and he, he's talking about Jesus there, he spake a parable unto them to this end. So he says, this is the moral lesson, this is the goal, this is the target, this is the objective of this parable. That they ought always to pray, and that when they are not praying, they are fainting, they are losing life there. Alright, they are losing, another version says that they should not lose heart. It goes beyond the emotional tiredness there. He's talking about a, an empty life that is devoid of life. And I pray for you under the sound of my voice that the grace to always pray, it will rest upon you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Someone is saying, what kind of prayer is that? I say now, it's, it's, a, it's a joy to discover intimacy, to discover and to love the place of his presence. And I pray that that obsession will rest upon you. A release of a spirit of grace and supplication for you to desire his presence more than any and everything. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, somebody say glory to God. All right, so we've, we've traveled through the seven things that 
prayer is or represents. I said once you enter into that realm, you, you step into three, three places, three possible places. Number one, Luke 11, from verse 5 to 8. Luke 11, 5 to 8. The Lord is going to help us this evening. Luke 11, 5 to 8. And he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend? Somebody say, a friend. Somebody say, a friend. If you have a Bible that you can underline, I want you to underline. For a lot of us, we have smart devices. It, it permits you to highlight the entire verse. That is also fine. He says, and he said unto them, which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight? All right. I'm still on verse 5. Thank you. And say unto him, friend, lend me three loaves. Verse 6, for a friend of mine. Can you see that now? So you are talking to a friend on behalf of a friend. I want us to pay attention. You are talking to a friend on behalf of a friend. For a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. Mm. He says, and he from within shall answer and say, trouble me not, the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. Verse 8, I say unto thee, he says, though he will not rise and give him, he says, because he is his friend. Somebody say, because he is his friend. All right, all right. I know you are warming up, settling into this. Somebody say, because he is his friend. Yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needed. Remember, he was speaking about prayer here in context. So the number one realm we see that we get into is the realm of intercession. Somebody say intercession. Intercession is relating with God as a friend based on another friend that does not have a relationship with God. Or a friend that doesn't have the quality of the relationship you have. It doesn't mean the person is an enemy. We can intercede for men, women, organizations, nations, cities that are outside the fold. They have no relationship. Or those who have some form of relationship but not the level of intimacy that you have. Intercession there is a dimension of the supernatural that we have legitimate access to. And in the course of this series, we will dissect the principles of effective intercession and we will show you how this is a stellar elite office for elite believers. And it's open to all. It's open to all. Immature, low level, need searching, selfish, pardon my use of words, believers who are still at level one existence of what we like, what we like, they never rise to this level of intercession. They can never understand why I am praying for someone else. Is my life perfect? They don't get it. Glory to God. So that's one realm that you can step into once you have legitimate access. Sometimes you're going on behalf of a friend where the Lord comes and says to Abraham, shall I do this thing and not inform my friend Abraham? And he begins to discuss. And Abraham says, pardon me, my Lord, but just one more time. That is intercession there. And we'll look at the Bible's Hall of Fame of intercessors. It's there in Scripture. It's there in Scripture. I already gave you one, Abraham. Gave you one, Abraham. Solid intercessors that use the strength of their relationship to secure victories for another. For another. Glory to God. I said glory to God. The number two office there. When you step legitimately to access the supernatural, we've seen one which is talking to a friend on behalf of a friend. Number two, Luke 11. Let's say Luke 11. Um, from verse 11 this time. 
down to verse 13. Luke 11 from verse 11. If a son shall ask bread any of you that is a father. Somebody say father. Hello? Hello? So let's do that again. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Verse 13 says, If you then, talking to general humankind, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him glory to God? Somebody say glory to God. All right, so we can see, we see from dimension one, all right, we see from dimension one there that there is talking to a friend on behalf of a friend. And now we see here that he's talking to the father and he's told us here that humans being evil, evil know how to, good, I mean, as terrible as they can be. One thing they can do is they can give good gifts. So how much more your father? So we, we, we said this earlier, prayer is intimacy with the father in the, in the, legitimate access into the supernatural. You can come talking to God as a friend on behalf of another or there are other times when you come in talking to the Father. Somebody say the Father. Somebody say with me the Father. Mm. Let's go to Luke chapter 18 verse 2 and very quickly see number 3, number 3. Number three. Remember, number verse 1 is our anchor scripture. He spake a parable unto them unto this end that Men, women, churches, organizations ought always to pray. Ought always to pray and not to faint. Verse 18. Saying, there was in a city a judge. Somebody say a judge. Somebody say a judge. All right. One of the easiest ways to understand the setup of the courtroom of heaven and when we get to this dimension of prayer in the coming weeks we will we will we will analyze it all right in depth all right it says there was in a city a judge this judge feared not god neither regarded man it tells us that as part of your legitimate access into the supernatural you can come in as an intercessor all right to discuss with a friend on behalf of another friend the success of that activity depends on the proximity, the quality of the relationship. The quality of the relationship. The quality of the relationship there. If a relationship does not exist, then better bundle yourselves together and start knocking on the door. But if there's someone you know that has built access over the years, built intimacy over the years, then that person can say, I, I, I know they were, they were joking. They were jokers in Sodom. I know they were, they, were, they were ungrateful people. I know they did not recognize you as God, but this is not about them now. This is about me. Shall the God of Israel, this righteous judge, if you find one, if you find two, if you find three, if you find, of course, those are not the numbers negotiated from. Glory to God. Glory to God. But it tells us something critical, that there is a dimension here that is similar to a courtroom. It says there that there is one who sits as a judge. There's going to be the jury. There's going to be the advocate. There's going to be witnesses. And there's going to be an accuser. The accuser, if you want to know how often this session sits, the Bible tells us the, the calendar of the accuser. It says the accuser of the brethren, which accused them day and night, 
It means that there is a constant court session that is always in session. The one that keepeth Israel does not sleep or slumber. So we can see here, it does neither sleeps nor slumbers. So there is a judge who is always on seat on the throne. There is an accuser who is going to and fro, constantly building cases. We have an advocate with the father. We have a cloud of witnesses and court is in session. Now, when you come in here, there are principles that guide operations in the law court. And there are tenets that once properly used and deployed will guarantee that you walk out with a verdict in your favor. And part of the things that gives you quality to stand in this courtroom is you must remember that the first ruling that was ever made by this judge was a ruling already made in your favor, that you are justified. That is a, that is a court decision. To be justified is a court decision. It's not something your landlord decides. It's not something your parents decide. It's a legal term. You've been justified. You've been declared righteous. So based on that initial judgment, we can come back to this courtroom, knowing that the one we seated on the throne, the righteous judge, the king of the universe, he is your father, he is your friend. The only issue now is we're in court. We are in session. All right, and justice prevails here. But there is blood that has been, I'm tempted now to go in that direction. But I just wanted to lay these bricks that every time we navigate the supernatural realm, you come in as one on behalf of friends, you come in as one relating with the Father, or you come in to the courtroom. The courtroom is a place of serious business, it's a place where training is required, it's a place where skill is needed. Glory to God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you, gracious Holy Spirit. Thank you for victory. Even times where we didn't know we were in the courtroom. Times when we didn't know we were at war. Can someone just take 30 seconds and say, Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your mercy. Come on, mean it. Thank you for your mercy. Glory to your name. For in Jesus' name we are prayed. In Jesus' name we are prayed. Over the next few minutes, I want to show us what I call model prayers in scripture. There are a lot of them. But for the purpose of our study, we will look at just three model new covenant prayers. Three model new covenant prayers. Three model new covenant prayers. And we'll try and dissect these prayers. These are prayers that were solid. All right. The, the rendering of the prayer solid. The ascension of the prayer solid. The Processing of the prayer solid, the receiving of answer solid, all right? These are three solid prayers. If you are writing, I want you to write down these three model prayers, all right? And we are going to dissect them, and we are going to see some things that are common to all of these prayers. Remember, these were not documented so that we'll know that people prayed. We know that they prayed. These are documented so that we'll know how they prayed and what they prayed in a way that we also can pattern ourselves by the leading of the Spirit in like manner because we know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's a faithful God and we know that we can come under this lineage also and we also begin to command results. And I pray for someone under the sound of my voice that right by the inspiration of the Spirit and by His anointing and grace that rests upon your life, you will begin to command results in the place of prayer in the name of Jesus. 
As you arise as a priest, your words will carry weight. Your intercessions will be effective. In the name of Jesus, as you develop intimacy with the Father, you will discover obsession. You will discover love for his presence. As you begin to navigate the courtroom, you will come out with victories in your favor, rulings in your favor, captives set free, chains broken. In the name of Jesus. Come on, say, believe in amen like you believe it. Glory to God. All right, let's look at our model prayers and then we will introduce this evening the prayer of thanksgiving. And we'll pick it up next week, Wednesday, by God's grace. Model prayers. The first model prayer I want us to look at is the most, arguably, the most popular prayer in the world. Many have learned to memorize it and they pray it by reciting it. The only issue with that is that the prayer wasn't designed to be memorized and recited. However, it was designed to create a temp How do I know? The Bible tells us in many instances in Scripture that Jesus would isolate himself from the crowd. He would go to a secluded place and would pray. If indeed this is what Jesus was praying, then he had to go over this in many cycles. Our Father, watch in heaven. I look at the kingdom come. Finish. Start again. Our Father, then check the time. <laughs> Glory to God. You know, it's amazing when in your private place the Lord starts teaching you how to enjoy his presence by yourself. I'm not talking of corporate videos now. By yourself. Part of the things you notice when you're starting out is that time is initially very slow. Then later, time now becomes very fast. So you just start. Oh, Father, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. I'm casting some people now. Father, I worship you, I worship you, I worship you. I glorify you, I glorify you. you no, know, it's like when they say your essay must be 10,000 words. All right, and you have 2,000. So you're saying, Father, I glorify, glorify, glorify. Worship, worship, worship. You are magnified, magnified, magnified. Eternal rock, eternal rock, eternal rock. Just to extend it in. And you check, you started at 10 p.m. You check, 10.05. Hey, with all the eternal rocks. Glory to God. Glory to God. But after a moment, you just check, boom, and it's two. And you go, you go, you go, you go. You, yeah, like I've said two things. And you come, boom, it's four. Like, oh, where did time go? Someone is saying, PD, I don't know what you're describing. You will know it soon in the name of Jesus. Some, some of you didn't say amen. You know, there are some prayers you don't have to say amen to. Because a friend has brought your name to a friend. And you've been recommended at the highest level for recruitment into an entire army. Some people got that. Glory to God. All right, let's look at our model prayers. Model number one. Model number one. Exhibit number one, if we were in the law court. Model number one, we are dissecting this to look at the template for victorious prayer. Many people have lost energy. They've lost heart. They are fainting in the activity of prayer because they've been convinced that prayer doesn't work or prayer is not effective, it has to be at a certain mountain. Maybe if I can travel to a certain mountain, or if I can find this person to pray for me, all right? And all of those have discouraged many, all right? But let me tell you, don't be deceived. If there's something you can sense the Spirit of God doing in this season, is that he's waking up his children to pray. Look around you. Look around you. Look around you. Men, women are arising to pray. People are, the, the, the realities of 2021 and the future that lies ahead of us will require us to stand up in our fullness in these three capacities. Intercessors, solid. Sons and daughters that can navigate based on intimacy. That can say daddy, daddy. I'm not saying random daddy. When they say daddy, 
the earth will shake. And then people who can enter the courtroom and secure victories. They come out with smiles. Always coming out from that court session with smiles. Silencing the accuser. Enforcing the victory that the blood has given us. Glory to God. Luke chapter 11. Let's look at exhibit 1, model 1. Luke chapter 11 from verse 1 to 4. Luke 11, 1 to 4. It's not on my screen, but I know. Okay. Thank you. It says, and it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place. When he ceased. Another version says, when he had stopped praying. I, I, I look at this verse so much. I don't know about you, but I read my Bible and I'm wondering what is going on here. Jesus was praying and the disciples were just there waiting for the master to be done. Waiting for the master to be done. They had seen him do this thing many times. All right. And one of the disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, teach us to pray. This thing you go and do overnight. This activity you're engaging that you, it seems to be more pleasurable to you than all the I mean, who, who doesn't like a crowd following them? Who doesn't like people shouting glory to God in their eyes? Hosanna, Hosanna. Who doesn't like people saying, we need you, heal us. We need the bread. We need the fish. We, need, we have sick people. We have blind people. Who doesn't like that? But he said there is something you have preferred to all of these things. There's something that you desire more than all of this, 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 this gleam, glam, this blings and these lights there's a place you you would rather be rather than standing in front of the spotlights and doing all of these things you are doing he says teach us teach us teach us this thing john taught his guys teach us teach us teach us and he said unto them when you pray we discussed that last week you say our father which art in heaven Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. And forgive us our sins as we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All right. In the account of Luke, that is where it ends. Um, we were thought to finish it up by saying for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever amen the lord's prayer popularly refers to so that's model prayer number one model prayer number two was a prayer that was prayed by the apostles in the early church this succumbs and the reason why if you notice there are lots of model prayers in scripture but I want us to pay attention to the ones, the, this is not me, the ones the Spirit of God has selected for us. It's for a reason. We are starting with the Lord's Prayer as model number one. Model number two is from the early church in the book of Acts. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter one that the resurrected Christ spent time teaching about matters concerning the kingdom. 40 days there. And he told them to tarry, tarry. And they, they were asking after such a wonderful conference learning about the kingdom. Say, when will the time come that the kingdom shall be restored? On? And Jesus said, it is not for you all right to know the times and the seasons appointed by God. And in verse eight of Acts one, he says, but you will receive power. After the Holy Ghost has come. And based on that instruction, in Acts chapter 2, they tarried there in the upper room. They had learned this thing from the master. And they were there praying. It wasn't a brief prayer. It wasn't, Father, you said the Holy Spirit is coming. Let him come. Amen. And then they start gisting. Man, Jesus. Ah, that conference was deep. You know, he just passed through the wall. Ah, hey, hey. No, they were there in one accord. 
everybody's mind on the matter. Everybody focused on the essence that this Jesus said, it is to your advantage that I live. There's someone else coming. We're acting like we're expecting that someone else. That personality that is coming from the presence of the Father in one accord, everybody together. And he says there was a sound like that of a mighty rushing wind and then like cloven tongues of fire appeared on each and every one of them. He tells us that they began to speak in other tongues and there were people that heard them. And they said, these guys must be mad. These guys must be drunk. Look at the time. How can such, 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 you know that big word our parents love, laka, laka des. Yeah, you know the word. You know the word. What kind of behavior is this? And Peter stood up boldly. He said, men and brethren, this cannot be wine. Apart from the fact that it is actually not wine, look at the time. Nobody, nobody drinks at this time. He said, this is that which was spoken of by the... I'm giving us a background to this prayer. And then based on the authority of the Spirit, he preached a powerful sermon. In their thousands, they repented and came to the way. In Acts chapter 3, there was a, a man who sat at the gate, beautiful, who sought to receive alms as people went in and out of the synagogue. And at the time of prayer, Peter and John approached the place and they looked at the man and said, silver and gold we do not have, all right, but as we do have, we give to you. Get up and walk in the name of Jesus. And that great miracle was done. The city that was just trying to recover from the scandal of this man who claims to be the Messiah, now there is a new generation, this time not just one man, but he has released his power and his presence into many. Hmm. So the guys who thought they had won discovered that they had not even started. When Jesus died and resurrected, the one they were chasing after now became many. It says that he might bring many sons. It was the firstborn of the dead. It was that seed principle, except one dies. All right, now many. Now, so now they're even just dealing with two. Two out of the many. And they could not handle them. They took them in, the Bible tells us. They flogged them. They warned them. You must not speak of this Jesus again. You must not. And I'm sure they were looking. You don't know you don't glory to God. You don't know the spirit that is in us. You have the audacity to tell us not to speak of this God again. You must be kidding. And they looked at them. He said, we would rather obey God rather than obey men. They flogged them, did all sorts. Now, this was what led to this place that we are now. Acts chapter 4, our second Model prayer. Acts chapter 4, I will read from verse 20 all the way down. Please follow me. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Talking about revelation here, this is not because they were followers of Jesus. They are talking about the things that the Spirit of God has brought emphasis onto them. And that still holds for you and myself. The things we have seen, the things we have heard, we cannot hold back. We have to share this thing. It says, so, they went, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. Verse 22. For the man was above 40 years on whom this miracle of healing was shoot. So it wasn't a child. This was a grown man who could say for a truth. It was me it happened to. I am living proof that this God exists. I am living proof that his word is real. I am living proof. There might be many fakes out there. But I am living proof that my God still does miracles. I am living proof that the lame still get up to work. I am living proof that the blind eyes can still pop open and see. I am living proof that the dead still rise. Glory to God. And being let go, they went down to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. 
And when they heard, remember, the problem was one Jesus. Now two apostles had done something. The city was already in opera. It says those two now went back to their own company. All right, now the company had increased now. Remember, there were about 120 of them in the upper room. Now 3,000 mobile were learning the ways of God, learning scriptures, growing in the spirit. So this was a real army brewing. So they went back to that company. And when they heard, they li- please pay attention. This is the model prayer that we want to study. They lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is. Who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, why did the heathen rage? Psalms 2. And the people imagined vain things. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For all the truth against thy only child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together, for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. Verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Remember, this was the reason for the prayer. But some things had gone ahead before the reasons for the prayer. So people are getting it already. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. It says, by stretching forth thine hands to heal. This is the church's appropriate response to persecution. And that signs and wonders may be done by the name of the holy child. And when they had prayed, there was no father, destroy this high priest, destroy these scribes, rain fire on them. He said, no, let's just continue to establish the kingdom. Let's continue to create a new order here. He says, and when they had prayed this prayer, you can see why this is a model prayer for us to study. He says, the place was shaking where they were assembled together. And they were all, that's a dangerous statement. Remember, it was 120 in Acts chapter 2. Someone had been preached, thousands had been added to the church. He says, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they speak the word of God with boldness. Somebody say, glory to God. So that's model prayer two. Model prayer three. Model prayer three. Model prayer three. John 11. John 11 from verse 37. We are familiar with the account in John chapter 11 because it tells us about a family that was close to Jesus. Very close to Jesus. You know, there are many who desired audience with Jesus, not as a friend. Remember, we said when we step into that realm of the supernatural, you come in, to a friend on behalf of another friend, you come into a father based on relationship, all right, or you, you, as it were, entered into a courtroom, all right, to navigate the tenets of justice because you know you have a righteous judge who is going to decide, all right, but he tells us in this place here, all right, that this family in particular had a relationship with Jesus. If others needed to plead, if this centurion needed to tell the Jews to tell Jesus that he had been a good man, if these people needed an invitation letter, there was a family that was Jesus based anytime he was in the city. So they knew him, there was a relationship, and they had sent message to him, come Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Now they had known enough of his exploits and of the miracles to know that Jesus didn't have to come for the healing to have been received, but they just wanted him anyways. And, and, and okay, let's go on. Maybe we will, maybe we'll touch that later. Let's go on. Let's go on. Glory to God. 
I said, glory to God. So let's read the word. John 11 from verse 37. And some of them said, could not, I need you to pay attention. The people came and said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Can you see that? He's saying that this guy has opened blind eyes. He has healed sick people. Why did he wait for Lazarus to die? It would have been easier to heal sickness than to raise the dead. He says, Jesus, therefore, again, groaning in himself, cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he has been dead four days. By this time, this situation is irreversible. By this time, the doctors have given up. By this time, the experts have signed out. By this time, he says, they stinking there now. He, it's what Martha was saying is we are trying to heal from the, from, the, from, the, from the heartbreak of this event. This is four days after. We are not feeling the way we felt on the day he died, but there is something running away that stone will do. Once that stone is rolled away, they, it comes with a fragrance. And that fragrance smells of death. It smells of disappointment. It reminds us that you should have been here earlier. It reminds us of the times we fasted. It reminds us of, of, of the times we prayed. It reminds us of the times we danced. It reminds us of our seven Sundays of praise and worship where we are so sure and we were so expectant. Let's leave this stone there not because we don't want to see resurrection but because we don't want to remember the failure of our past efforts. But Jesus says, sorry, it might stink for a while, but resurrection has come. Re and that's a word for someone. Resurrection has come. Resurrection has come. You have to take away that stone. You have to grant him access again. You're saying, Peter, have moved on, but he hasn't moved on. Jesus said unto us, Said I unto thee, that if thou wouldst believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. Now, I'm sure it was almost reluctantly, but verse 41 tells us, Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted, so this is the model prayer now, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. I'm sure the people around were looking. What's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? And then in verse 43, hmm, I knew that thou arrest me always. But because of these people, I have said this. Verse 43. And when he thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I love verse 44 so much. He says, and he that was dead. If your Bible can underline, please underline was dead. Underline was dead. He's saying he that was dead. That that was dead. That organ that was dead, that business that was dead, that life that was dead, that, that situation that was written off, that was dead, gone, and abandoned, it says, he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, loose him and let him go. Loose him and let him go. These are our model prayers. We will not attempt to break all of them down this evening, obviously, because of our time. But you pay attention to the prayer of Luke 11, our Father, who art in heaven. You pay attention to the prayer of the church in Acts chapter 4. Oh God, the creator of heaven and earth. You pay attention to the prayer of Christ in, that, in front of that cave where this thinking tomb was. And he says, Father, I thank you.
there's something common to all our model prayers. And there's something common to every prayer of victory that sees results. Effective prayer always begins with heartfelt thanksgiving and genuine worship. You can write that down. Irrespective of the matter at hand, whether it's someone dead, whether it's food that needs to be multiplied, whether it is persecution, where you should be praying fire on those persecuting you, or whatever it is you feel you want to do. Remember what we said last week, prayer is not about your will. Anyways, it is about his will. We come into the place of prayer first, irrespective of what realm we are operating in. Whether you have come in as a friend to be an intercessor, whether you have come in as a son based on covenant, as a daughter based on covenant to a place of intimacy, or whether you are coming in to, to experience the courtroom of heaven where you begin to encounter this righteous judge. It says that the first thing you present with as a proper priest is that you come with sacrifices, and that these sacrifices will be sacrifices of thanksgiving and genuine worship. Sacrifices of thanksgiving and genuine worship. We have a generation of believers that are relegating proper praise and worship to what we do at the beginning of the service before the great man of God comes with the word. We just use the worship and the praise to buy some time and you see the praise team leaving like we finish the less important part. And then the bishop or the great priest, prophet, apostle comes mightily ready to release the word and we don't know as far as the court of heaven is concerned, the moment where we are praising and worshiping the king is very superior to every other thing that could happen. Our father, Relationship, war in heaven, worship. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Oh God, who has created the heavens and the earth. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you. The, the, the issue is not saying, Father, I thank you. The issue is meaning it. That Father, I actually do thank you. And as you're saying, I thank you, the voice of your flesh is coming. For what exactly? He says, Father, I thank you. He says, for what exactly? Have you forgotten? And he says, Father, I thank you. Have you forgotten that this has been four days now? He says, Father, I thank you. Have you forgotten that this body is probably stinking by now? He says, Father, I thank you. Have you forgotten that we have been persecuted? We know we are going out tomorrow, but they could lock us up. They could tie us in chains. We could lose our lives. But first we come and say, we give you the glory, the creator of the heavens and the earth. And people are saying, can't you see the urgency of the need? And he's saying, no, there is protocol in his presence. We come with offerings and sacrifices of thanksgiving and worship. It's the powerful mystery in the hands of a believer. The ability by his spirit to bring him sacrifices of praise. Sacrifices of thanksgiving. Genuine worship from the depth of your heart. From the very depth of your heart. From the very depth of your heart. From the very depth of, of your heart. Glory to God. Glory to God. My desire is that everyone under the sound of my voice, you will rediscover thanksgiving as superior to any other thing you are going to do. You will rediscover praising the king. Let me tell you, this God that we have to do with, let me use King James English. This one to whom we have to do with is not new on the block. Remember, God is not new. He is very ancient. 
He's, very, he's been around. I'm, 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 you might find it difficult to grasp sometimes. But when Abraham was saying God, he was referring to the same God. When Isaac was saying God, this same God. When Jesus walked the surface of this earth and he spoke with the Father. Alright, he already has a track record of faithfulness. Your events, your realities, your experiences are not powerful enough to put a dent on his credibility. Every time you come with a barrage of requests and supplications with that little sprinkle of doubt that maybe today is the day that this God will be in the mood to answer me today. Alright, what you are saying is that I doubt your credibility a bit. And perhaps like the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18 at the contest of Mount Carmel, maybe if I can shout louder or turn a bit swifter or if I can slash myself or wake up at 12 midnight or do some theatrics, maybe today I will get the attention of heaven. But he's saying you don't need theatrics. You don't need theatrics. You have to understand priesthood. When you come to the, to the place of supernatural, you fix the altars. You come with sacrifices. You bring praise there. Serious thanksgiving. Serious thanksgiving. I'm telling you, when you find people that understand intimacy, they don't joke with times of thanksgiving and worship. They don't joke with it. When you find a serious church, a serious church, you know, because of the way worship is designed, during praise and worship, you have people running about, coming in, going out. Some, some have even timed it. They know the time the praise and worship is done and just before PD comes on stage, God has given PD a word for me. So they, some, some even stay in the car park. When they were just for the worship to be done, I don't like the face of that. I don't like her face. I don't like her voice. I've just come here to receive the word. Hey! The, oh, you can write this down. The goal of worship is to get ourselves completely out of frame. And all the cameras, please don't follow me. Leave the camera on the center stage. That all of the focus is on his majesty. What we find, just watch me creeping back into sin. Many of us, this light is too beautiful. We want it to be about our voices. We want it to be about the scales and the reefs that we can run. We want it to be about all the tones and all the theatrics we can do when we sing, only that we are singing to ourselves. But effective worship, and effective worship leading is you getting enough of yourself out, skillfully so, that there is no distractions that you are adding to that conversation, that it's a completely pure, worthy sacrifice, and the focus is completely on the king, not on me. Not on the song. Not on the color of the keyboard. Is he red? Is he motive? Is he not? Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. Alright. I'm looking at my time. I'm looking at my time. I'm looking at my time. Glory to God. Glory, glory, glory to God. I'm looking at my time and I'm wondering. Do we, do we go into this now? Or do we just take some time to practicalize? I think we should just take some time. We should just take some time to just... I know you have prayers, you have requests, but now you are learning this is how it is done. I think we should, we should delve into the reasons for Thanksgiving by next week. I think we should do that by next week. And we should just spend the rest of the few minutes that we have, even if it's going to be one minute. Let, let it be one minute of real worship. Now, as a church... If there's anyone listening to us and you are not aware, 
all through the month of January. This is what we are doing. And someone is saying, you must be very mad. If you want me to wake at 5 a.m., it's fine. I have problems that I want to pray about. Yes, I can do that. I can wake at 5, all right, PD? I can do that. But you're telling me to wake at 5 and to begin to do what Jesus said these guys were doing. This was the secret. The same thing at the, at the miracle of multiplication of the bread and the fish. This is always the secret. There is a lifting up moment there. There's a moment of sincere thanksgiving. There's a moment of genuine worship. There's a moment there where the focus is on this king. We are saying to him, this situation is new to us, but it's not new to you. That is what your thanksgiving does. This situation is rattling to us, but it's not rattling to you. We've maybe not seen the dead rise before, but you have. Maybe we've not seen blind eyes open before, but you have. Maybe we've not seen persecution resolved before, but you have. Maybe we've not seen this happen before, but you have. We come in that knowledge and acknowledgement saying that you are not new. You are not new. You are not new. When we come with thanksgiving, the Bible tells us in the book of, I will get there shortly. It says this is the will of God. 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 I am led to pause here and will continue from here next week Wednesday by God's grace. This is the will of God that you will give thanks. Child of God, I know you have desires, the year is young. You have desires in the place of intercession. You have desires for yourself as a son, as a daughter. You have desires for those around you. Some know there are court cases in session. There are chains, people in prisons. There are, there are infirmities. There are bars and arrows from the pit of hell that we need a righteous judge to make a decree on and we need the enforcement of heaven. A dispatch of angels to see to it all right, I know we have all of those needs, but Jesus tells us here, all right, and modeled by the apostles in the early church, that we must always come with thanks. We must always come with thanks. Not thanks done to buy time. Not thanks done to begin the service. Not thanks done to end the service. Not just because the piano sounds nice or because the cymbal sounds nice. These are, these, are, these are mysterious elements that are part of the ingredients of our sacrifices. All right, but the most, I said this on Sunday and I say it again. The number one instrument of worship is the heart. The number one instrument of worship is the heart. Such that you can come to him and say, I know I have come based on the matter. I know I have come for a friend. I know I have come based on this issue. I know there is this court case and we need everyone's intervention. We actually need it urgently. We actually needed it like yesterday, like Three days, like last, like last year, like last 10 years. But in this moment, we've come to say that you are greater than that problem. You are greater than that need. And I want someone to join me this evening for the next two minutes or for the next three minutes. I want us to gather wherever you are. If you can rise up on your feet, if you are led to kneel, that's fine. If you want to lie down, that's fine. Whatever posture you want to take, we don't need music in this moment. You need to begin to learn. All right, wherever you are, I, I think we are blessed with technology. You can literally have sound with you right now just by going on the internet. But wherever you are in this moment, make it about him, not about the needs, not about your will, not about your way, not about your questions, not about the chains, not about the court case, not about any other thing, but let it be about him. That Father, I thank you. 
I thank you because I know this problem is not bigger than you. I thank you because this situation is not bigger than you. I thank, I thank you, I thank you, I thank you. He says that, he says you were the one who created the heavens. He's saying that you've done more difficult things. He's giving premise to that conversation. He's saying before we bring the matter, let's just remind you, let's remind the courts of heaven, let's remind the ones in the heavens, let's remind the ones on the earth, let's remind those under the earth what our God has done in times past. There is a reminder there that this is not new, this is not a challenge to him by any standards our God created the heavens our God called the earth into being this is not difficult with him and so we give him thanks we give him worship we do it actively we do it deliberately I do this in the morning I do this in the afternoon I will worship his majesty I will get up on my feet and give him the honor that he deserves indeed I am thanking the king of glory the one who knows December 2021 I am just trying to navigate January the one who knows and holds the future he is alpha he is omega this is how we approach his presence this is how we approach the place of intimacy this is how we approach the courtrooms we come with sacrifices come on 60 more seconds in the comfort of your home no song no music no strings just your voice and heaven saying i acknowledge you at work i acknowledge that you are older than this problem you are more powerful you are bigger you are stronger you are greater there is nothing that can compare to you you have been you are you will forever be even when we are gone you remain you are faithful you are all powerful you are god over all the earth you are a righteous judge there is no decision that trumps your decision you are a righteous judge Thank you, gracious Father. We give you the glory. We give you the honor. Yes, yes, yes. I sense victory in the room already. I say, as you are beginning to discover these secrets, it's not about the problems you've come with. It's not about the requests you've come with. It's not about the petitions you've come with. It's about the power of your God and your faith in his power, your faith in his ability. If you truly believe that he's all-powerful, you will thank him. You will thank him. Father, it is you we have brought thanks to this evening. It is you we have brought our worship to our Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. O God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who called things into being the ancient of days. Father, we thank you because you're always here. You're always here. We believe in you. 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 Thank you, Jesus. We believe in you. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you for the anointing of your spirit and what you've done already in our midst. We give you all the glory. Before I bring the service to a close, does anyone under the sound of my voice, you've not met Jesus. You've not met Jesus. You are the mercy of illegitimate priesthood. You've not met Jesus. You've not met Jesus. And someone here is saying, PD, you don't know my family. They are very wicked. They are very diabolic people. I need something fast. Christianity seems too slow. I need something fast as they are throwing this. So I'm throwing this back. I've come to tell you <laughs> there is no God like our God. There is no power like our power. There is no king like our king. What you need is security in Jesus. What you need is security in Jesus. Whether this is your first time or you desire to rededicate your life, there is an invitation for you this moment. Come. Come. Come home. Come home. Come home. As you heard the word, as you heard the word, the Spirit of God convicted your heart. And you just sense that this is the moment. This is the time for me to rediscover legitimacy. Someone is saying, PD, I've dipped my hands into illegitimate stuff. You might not know, I still look like that precious brother. I still look like that sanctimonious sister. 
but I've used some, some tools to consult the supernatural. And you're feeling guilty. You're feeling like dirt. The Lord is saying, come. He knows. He saw your desperation. And he's saying, come back. The enemy is saying, stay there. God, God won't accept you. What he wants is to retain you there until complete destruction. But I've come to announce to you this evening, there is restoration. There is restoration. Come back home. There is complete deliverance. It doesn't matter how deep, how far you've gone. Come back home. Come back home. Come. His arms are wide open. Come back home. Come back home. Yes. Yes. Find courage in your father. He is your father. He wants you back. Thank you, Father, for these ones under the sound of my voice. Acknowledging you as Savior. Acknowledging you as Deliverer. Acknowledging you as the only way. I pray for them as they declare you as Lord and Savior. That your spirit will invade their hearts. Your love will envelop them. And that by your grace, they will live a life that pleases you. Thank you for your supply of your spirit. The Bible tells us that they prayed together in one accord and they were all filled with the spirit. I pray for these ones as they receive your life. Let them be filled with your spirit. Let them become brand new entirely. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, because you have heard us. For in Jesus' name we have prayed. In Jesus' name. Come on, come on, come on. Wherever you are, if you can, jam those ends together. Give the Lord a big shout. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you've been blessed by the sermon. And if you would love to be a part of what God is doing in our midst, feel free to join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. or Wednesdays at 7 p.m. To be a part of the giving, you can give our email at info, I-N-F-O, at kicccanada.ca or through our website at www.kicccanada.ca slash donate. God is doing amazing things in our midst and we look forward to seeing you soon. Remember, you're a champion. God bless you.